Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. We have some breaking news here in the pig pen with some great information on a brand new book that our friend Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology has just released. It's a great book, and I think you'll want to hear about this one because it might make a great Christmas gift for somebody, and maybe that somebody's yourself. Tim will be up here in a moment to tell us all about it. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal of the positive football history. And we are really in the throngs of football history because we have an exciting uh, announcement that's going to be made by one of our friends. Timothy Brown of Football Archaeology is releasing a book, and uh, he is giving us a first shot at talking to him about this book coming out here, and we're really excited about that. Uh, Tim Brown, welcome back to the Pigpen. Hey, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. Always good to be uh, having a chat with you. Yeah. And this is a, an exciting chat because this is, uh, you know, you have a book coming out. We know you've been working on it. And uh, maybe I guess to start off with, what, what is the title of this book that's out? Yeah, it's, well, I changed the title, uh, but it's now Hut, Hut, Hike. And then it's got the subtitle, um, A History of Football Terminology. Okay. So, so the- that definitely sounds like a football book when you hear hut, hut, hike. I can't associate those ones with anything else. Which was kind of why ultimately we went that direction. So, Was there any certain theme to the book? And what, what's the, the book about? What can the listeners expect from it? Yeah. So, you know, um, the book, you know, kind of, the, you know, why I wrote it, there's kind of two, two issues. You know, one is kind of content and the other is style. So, the gist of the book is it, it basically reviews football terminology, you know, from the beginning of the game and um, just tries to, you know, I tried to determine when certain words or phrases came into the game and, you know, as much as I could tease out why they came into the game. So where did that word come from or what, what had changed in the game at that time? you know, in, to bring out the need for a new word. And so, you know, from a, uh, from a content standpoint, I mean, I, I just, I like etymology, you know, the study of word origins and that's, um, and I, you know, there's, hold on readers digest word alert. <laughs> yeah. Etymology. What is that? Ed- etymology. Oh boy. Yeah, en- entomology is a study entomology, of insects, okay. <laughs> but etymology is words. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, I mean, it's just a, it's a thing of just, um, you know, 
if you go online, you can, there's other people that have written dictionaries of football terminology and there's, you know, there's a bunch of those online. Um, but, you know, as far as I know, no one's ever tried to figure out like when different words came about and why. And so, you know, this is really about the origins of the words, right? And, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, just like you think about any any words we have in our language, sleet versus snow and beige versus brown, you know, words matter. We use them to distinguish things, right? And so, you know, if, if a new word enters a game, it probably says something happened in the game to uh, to create a need for a word, right? Some tactic change or some equipment change or a rule change. Um, now you will have those things like uh, Deacon Jones came up with the word uh, sack, you know, and he kind of thought about that term and created the term sack. But before that, everybody called, called it a dump. You know, if you, <laughs> you know, tackle the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, it was a dump. Now, no one uses that term anymore, but, you know, so some terms just kind of pop up for no particular reason other than just some guy creates it, <laughs> you know. Hey, but some, some of those have some very interesting, uh, you know, origins, just like you said, you know, with Deacon Jones coming up with that, that gives it some relevance and, uh, you know, people can relate to that. So it's, that's interesting that you took these football terms and, and did that. Now, what sort of motivated you to, to want to write a book like this? Well, you know, so part of it is just the, you know, it's a style, you know, I said, you know, there's kind of two parts. One is this, you know, this, there's content issue about, you know, I, I like the word origin sort of approach, but, but it's also a style thing. You know, my first two books are kind of, you know, start at the beginning and end at the end, you know, they're kind of classic histories. You read the thing from start to finish. And while that's great. And, you know, I think that's a proper way to write each of those stories. Um, you know, it requires somebody to read 350 pages of, of mm. text, right? And so this book is written in what I, you know, kind of think of as a bathroom reader format. So it makes a lot of sense to start at the beginning and end at the end because, you know, some information does build on what was previously discussed. But you can pretty much, you know, each word or term, and there's 416 of them in there, you know, thereabouts, each of them is written kind of independently. So some of them take less than half a page. Some may take two or three pages, but you know, you can flip through, open up the book, go to page 47 or 122 and just read whatever is there. And uh, you know, you don't really have to have read what, what came before. it. So it's just kind of an easier to read, easier to digest, you know, take your time going through it. Uh, literally leave it in your bathroom. If that's <laughs> you know, where you get some reading done. Um, but then it also will serve, uh, you know, I'm going to have an index, you know, at least two indices at the back that um, allow you to kind of look things up topically or just alphabetically. Uh, so it can be a reference book, too. You know, you're watching a game and somebody says something about the shotgun. And you're like, well, where did the shotgun? You know, how did that come about? Um, and, you know, so you can kind of read a little bit just on isolated topics. Yeah, I, I can definitely see, uh, you know, people, you know, getting this as a Christmas gift and, you know, watching football games at the holidays with the family. And one of the announcers, you know, Troy Aikman says some term and, uh, you know, kids in the background with your book looking up and say, hey, dad, here, you know, here's where that came from or, or somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's just kind of a cool thing to, to do. It's really neat. Yeah. And, you know, it's I mean, it's like my other books, I, you know, a lot of especially older stuff 
it really helps to see pictures of what it was like or what it was about or, um, you know, early equipment, those kinds of things. So, you know, this, um, I haven't counted them, but there's a lot of illustrations, you know, in the book as, as well. And especially, you know, pre-1940s. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. Now, I, I know, you know, with having some of these older terms, and you're, you're going way back in time in football, early football, and right up to the modern days uh, of uh, some of these words uh, coming about. What are some of the challenges that you ran into with uh, you know, researching this book? Well, you know, I think the, um, the biggest challenge I ran into, so the way I ended up doing it, you know, I've got, I used books by you know famous football coaches and some not so famous so i used a lot of that and then but my the primary way of doing the research was um using newspapers.com and their search function and so you know i mean it's a fantastic tool it's got 800 or 800 million uh newspaper pages available so you know lots of data out there but it's it's not real good at searching for word strings. So when I wanted to search for uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, you know, you kind of have to find ways to kind of get around the limitations of the tool to to get there. Um, it also doesn't find synonyms. So if you are looking for, uh, so I mean, my classic example is blocking sled. You know, if you go in and type in blocking sled. The first time you're going to see that is about 1930 something, but there were, you know, predecessor uh, pieces of equipment called charging machines or blocking machines that showed up about 1900. You know, so if you didn't know that term, you'd think, well, a blocking sled showed up in 1930. So, you know, anyways, I think I, pr I think I, you know, I've read enough and have enough of the old time knowledge to know that I picked up most of the terms or predecessor terms. But, you know, I'm sure there's some out there that I, I missed, you know. So, um, and then the other one is just that there are certain terms too, like the word hole, right? The, uh, the, the hole or gap is another word in football that's really basic and it's all over the place. But that has so many meanings. It's just, it was, I couldn't ever, you know, figure out how to, how to tie down. When did hole first appear in a newspaper article? Type yeah. in the word hole into newspapers.com. You probably had about the all 800 million pages came back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, some of them it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pages for some terms. So you have to narrow it down and, you know, kind of find the first instances and those kinds of things. So, so, you know, I think the challenges were more like technical, um, the writing was fairly straightforward just because it's a bunch of mini stories. You know, each word is its own story and some of them tie together and I sequence them so that, you know, if we're talking about offensive things or passing game. We'll, you know, string those together in the chapters, but each kind of stands on its own. So, you know, from an integration standpoint, it's really straightforward. Yeah. Now, did you find any of the, the terminology and uh, the results of it surprising to you, or were they all pretty much uh, what you expected? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think that there's, there's some that um, I don't know that it's, it's so much a surprise. I mean, there were, there are certain, certainly some things that were surprising to me, but um, a lot of it was, it's kind of like, I kind of compared taking the approach of looking at, at football history by looking at certain words is just kind of a different approach, but it's, I kind of compare it to like 
it's like you're driving home from work and you take a different route into your neighborhood and you kind of get a different perspective on your neighborhood. You know, you don't see it the way you normally see it. And so, um, you know, so for me, like the, um, I always knew that uh, passing routes and the passing game was nowhere near as sophisticated back in the teens and twenties and, you know, well into the thirties um, as, as it is today. Right. But mm-hmm. so, but like this, doing this research kind of reinforced that just because they're just most, at least the words that we use today for passing routes, you know, it just didn't exist. There just weren't a lot of names for passing routes. Right. I mean, they had the flag or the corner in the twenties and they had flood passes and button hooks in the thirties, but you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot else, you know? And so it just tells you if they didn't even have a word to tell, you know, if you couldn't tell your receiver, go run uh, an X route or a Q route or whatever it is that, you know, if they didn't even have words to describe the routes then they probably didn't have those routes. Right. Yeah. Like pop Warner probably wasn't a, a practice telling everybody to run a wheel route or anything like that. that yeah, exactly. You know, I, and so, I mean, you know, they had plays and they memorized, you know, they typically at that era, they numbered the plays and that's how, you know, we're going to run a 42. Okay. Run a 42. And if it was a 42 pass and the guys knew some of the routes, but you know, even you look at all the coaching books from back then and they're just these kind of going out into an area and it's not, not real sophisticated. There's you know not a lot of, uh, not a lot of change of direction you know, in the routes, it's pretty straightforward stuff. All right. Now, you know, I, I was uh, honored by you. Let me uh, read a copy of the book and I, I really appreciate that. And it's a, it's a great book. And I, I was wondering if maybe you could share a, a couple of samples of, of what you've written. Maybe give us some of the, the history on a couple words that I found be really kind of interesting. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, wh- so name one. Okay, well, one that I found really interesting, and I I learned a lot from it, was the word red shirt. Yeah, so that one's, um, I've, uh, that's a fun fun story for me. Um, so, you know, the earliest I found of the word red shirt being used was 1917 at Cornell, and and it literally meant that they're uh, one of the other words that we you know, talk about in the book is scrub or scout team. It's those kinds of guys. Um, So Cornell had their scrubs wear red shirts, literally red shirts for practice. And their varsity guys apparently wore, you know, white. And so um, that's where the, where it first comes up. And then you start seeing red shirt appearing. Now Cornell is the big red. So wearing a red shirt makes sense, but, you start seeing a red shirt as a description even of the scrub team at other schools and they don't even have red as one of their school colors. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's, that starts, you know, popping up for a bit. And so, you know, so red shirts, you know, just there in the background is kind of a name for the scout team sort of guys. And um, in, in the South, a lot of times they call those guys bohunks. Um, but in, in, at Nebraska in mid thirties, there was a guy, you know, player on their team who, 
who wanted to, um, he hadn't played in the first, you know, five, six games. So he approached the coaches and just said, can you make sure you don't let me go play. Let me spend the rest of the season with the red shirts because I don't want to get put into a game late, you know, late in the game, late in the season and basically blow away a year of my eligibility. And so they said, okay. And they, you know, they put him, put him down to the red shirt team. And so then that's where the, the practice of what we call red shirting came from. It's this guy who got put on the red shirt team instead of staying on varsity to preserve his year of eligibility. And so um, it turned out that the guy ended up, uh, he was an all American as a senior. So it was probably, mm-hmm. then he played on there, you know, uh, in the 41 Rose bowl uh, for Stanford. So, you know, good choice by, or for Nebraska, I should say, against Stanford. But so good choice uh, on that guy's part. So, you know, it's just kind of a cool uh, cool little story of where this really practical, physical term transitioned into, you know, more of a conceptual eligibility-related term. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know that there's a synonym, a one-word synonym to red shirt, you know, to describe that that what happens there with, you know, uh, a guy being put off to the side and, uh, gain, you know, keeping that year of eligibility without playing. I, I, you know, I, red shirt's the only word I know for it. And yeah, it's just kind of yeah. cool. They, they, it was convenient and they took it and it was adopted as that name. So that's, that's really neat. Then. And I love the, the history and the origin story that you did on that. That's really yeah, and, great. and I think, I think I ended up, um, so a lot of times in the, the books organized by decade of, but sometimes it just makes word makes sense to string some words together, right? In a, in one section, you know, just for readability. And I think in that section, I also cover walk on, you know, which didn't show up until the early '60s. But it was, you know, um, similar kind of thing. It's there's a little origin story there that's, you know, just kind of fun little uh, fun little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Now, I guess uh, another one of my favorites, and I, I must be seeing red because this one has the, the color red in it also, and it's uh, a red dog, you know, how that term came about. Yeah. Now, do, do you remember anybody using the term red dog when you were younger? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, yep. we used to, we used it in, in junior high and, you know, we were playing street football and things as kids, you know, seeing a lot of football, we would always say, Hey, no red dogs allowed. We, we very seldom called it a blitz. It was called red dog when we were kids. Okay. Yeah. So for me, uh, there was a woman who sat up in the stands in our grade school football team <laughs> was always yelling red dog, red dog. And, and it was only later on that I really understood what that meant, but, um, so, so anybody who doesn't know red dog is what we now call blitz. And so it was, uh, so I, you know, I kind of talk about both stories at both blitz and red dog at the same time in that, in that portion of the book. But so, um, there were people, uh, you know, there were teams sent linebackers, prior to the origin of the term red dog. And I think people, um, sometimes they use the term dog or dogging kind of the way we would use the term stunt. And, um, and you know, it, it's un- sometimes it's unclear whether it was just, those were like tackle stunts or whether they were uh, linebacker stunts, but dogging was a form of a stunt. 
And so then there was this guy who came out of Kansas. He played basketball for Kansas. So he's you know pretty good athlete, uh, but he played football as well. And his nickname was red and he gets drafted by the giants, you know, signs with them. And as a rookie, he has a really good season and they start using him to dog, uh, you know, dog the quarterback and rush the quarterback. So that's how that term, then it became red dog. Uh, kind of they combined, you know, his name and and the dogging concept, and um, so that stuck around really. You know, Red Dog. You know, from a newspaper standpoint, it stuck around into the probably mid '60s, and I'm sure it got mentioned after that, but uh, really, probably starting mid '50s, Blitz really kind of started taking over. You know, it popped up, you know, late '40s, but it. You know, by the mid fifties, probably most people are talking about blitzes. Um, but that's one of those things too. It's like, you know, football is really tribal, you know? And so if you come out of the New York giants tribe or the green Bay Packers tribe, or, you know, think about college, you know, coaching trees and families. Um, you know, I think a lot of terminology just followed families, you know, the coaching families as much as, um, as much as anything, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's probably definitely true. And, you know, probably uh, I think nowadays or well, probably the last 50, 60 years with television being so evident and the color commentators, you know, most of them are ex-football players and whatever system they grew up in in that family, you know, they're, they're bringing some of those terms over into our modern day terms and we adopt them because that's what we hear on television. And uh, yeah. sounds, sounds good. You know, we want to know, we want to be saying what Tony Romo's saying or John Matt or you know whoever so yeah yeah good stuff. and and that's actually one, one little point about the book is just you know i used newspapers because number one it leaves a paper trail <laughs> they have left a paper trail and they, the newspapers have been around since the start of football television and radio haven't so um you know and i think there's probably a pretty good transfer between the media but um but there are certainly some words that get used more on television and really don't don't show up too much in in writing or at least nowhere near as much. All right. Now let's, let's say um, you meet somebody, you know, you're, you're the author of this book and you, you have, uh, you know, five minutes to tell a stranger about this book. What's uh, a, a great example that you would choose out of your book to, to tell somebody about that uh, doesn't know much about the book to, to, you know, make them show some interest in it. Well, yeah, this may, uh... I don't know if this is going to convince anybody else to read it, but you know, this is a story that I like. Um, so one of the things that, you know, foot, uh, pretty much it's a football thing, but, you know, we use it in a lot of other places now, and it's X's and O's, right? Uh, this guy really knows his X's and O's or, you know, what, however, you know, the, the term gets used. And so I was just we're, not, to... we're not talking about the X's and O's your wife puts on after, you know, have a nice lunch deer and puts sticks in your lunchbox. No, 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 <laughs> no, never, never. Um, no, instead I'm talking about football X's and O's okay. and the, uh, so, you know, I, that first shows up, I should have, you know, confirmed it. Uh, but so that, that shows up, I'm going to say in the, in the forties, right. And so I was like, okay, well, why did we say X's and O's? And obviously the assumption is that it's because of the, 
you know, drawing plays and coaches drawing plays and using X's and O's. So I said, okay, well, let me go, let me look around and see if I can figure out who first started using X's and O's. And as I, you know, as I went back and, you know, I've got a bookshelf full of old, you know, football, you know, coaches books. And um, it's like, okay, well, no X's, no, you know, there's either all O's or triangles or something, you know, so I did find Charles Daly who had a, published a book in 1919 he used x's and o's but like you know stag and those guys they all had used like little people figures in a lot of those you know those old books um camp did the same thing and so you know the the vast majority of all of the books published there's no x's and o's i mean there might be x's or there might be o's especially o's so first you know it's one of those things for me it's kind of like a mystery you know that um, I think the reason that they ended up using X's and O's is be or you know newspaper reporters and stuff started reporting on it is because you know when coaches are informally drawing or they're given a chalk talk you know or they're you know just doodling or explaining something to a player then they'll use like X's and O's because it's kind of quick easy way to to draw you know the lineups but in more formal publishing circles or when there are uh, plays drawn up in newspaper illustrations, which there used to be a lot more of, um, they tend to be a little bit more formal about it, you know, filled in O's or blank O's or whatever. So anyways, I just think it's kind of a cool, uh, that's one where the mystery is still out there, exactly why they why they did X's and O's, but, you know, the book has a bunch of examples of different versions of, of uh, coaches drawing up plays and, you know, just kind of interesting to look at. Now, uh, I, I think, you know, we had the opportunity on an episode that uh, hasn't aired yet, but the one that you, you and I were discussing on a Rose Bowl uh, topic that uh, ended up making a book. And it was kind of cool that, uh, I got to see how your, your mind worked and you went on this research bend and, and that was uh, <laughs> another name for the Rose Bowl. And we won't get into too much detail because we have it in a future episode, but uh, Tim and I were having a conversation about the Rose Bowl and I posed the question and I said, Hey, where did the term uh, granddaddy of them all come from? Was that something that Keith Jackson made up? And we both sort of scratched our head a little bit and we're milling around and uh, you know, Tim went right to work as probably as soon as we hung up the, uh, the phone call for that recording. And uh, a couple of days later, you know, he had some, some things that he researched and came up. So, um, you know, it's, it's just great how your mind works and how you research things. And I, I thought that was kind of a, a cool example that uh, got the, and it got published in the book. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Well, and, and it's, I mean, one of the things that um, happened to me a bunch as I was writing this is like somebody, I'm you know watching a game and somebody you know, uses a term. It's like, oh God, I, I, I haven't researched that one. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, so as I've been reading and, and listening and watching, um, I've, you know, really made a, uh, made it a point to jot down terms that, that maybe deserve to be in there. Some of which, you know, as I said, some, some words just prove difficult to, uh, to track down or frankly, when I, once I tracked them down there, there wasn't much there, there. So, you know, I, I've left them off, but you know, maybe they'll be be book two of, of uh, hot, hot hike. 
So, so how long was this process to write the book? I mean, when you said, okay, I'm writing a book with using words and terminology from football and doing the origin stories on it. And you started writing them down. How long was that till you had, had wrote your last, uh, you know, exclamation point or punctuation in the book? Yeah. So it wasn't as long as, you know, the other two books probably took about, you know, year and a half to two years each. Um, this is more of a six, seven month process. Um, and, you know, part of it is just because, you know, I kind of, as I go along, you know, I keep, I've got a system for keeping notes and images and, you know, I kind of catalog things as I, if I research something, I don't just throw it away. I've got a way of maintaining that information. So in many cases, I had already done some research on, you know, I, I probably done a fair amount of research on a lot of these terms, but I never had, I hadn't approached it from the standpoint of when did this term first appear? So I, you know, I already, in most cases, I had a pretty good idea of when it came along. Um, and so it really was a matter of refreshing a lot of information for a particular purpose, which made it easier. If I was starting just totally from scratch, it would have been, uh, would have been a lot longer. And I'm also just, you know, I'm smarter now about, um, you know, I've got all the, the old rule books, I've got these other coaching books, and I just, I know where to search. And, and I'm pretty good at doing the, you know, as much as I just, I commented earlier about the search engine and the challenges there, I'm pretty good at it, you know, so, so it went, you know, fairly quick. And I just, you know, I finished researching something, and then I write it up and then move on to the next one. Oh, interesting. You know, I, I think this book is, is so unique because I, I don't know of any other uh, football related book where somebody that's knows nothing about football could find some enjoyment because they're going to learn a lot about the game uh, by reading it uh, right up to people that are, you know, experts and know everything they can sit down and look at it and probably pick up something that they didn't know or something they didn't remember maybe. And uh, it's just so, so such a wide array of people that this uh, book uh, could relate to and uh, could people that could enjoy it. I think that's really neat the way you did that. And uh, I, I applaud you for that. Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, some of the language, maybe some, certain kids would, would have trouble with, but I mean, I think it's something, you know, pretty young kids could enjoy it. You know, not like a second grader, but you know, the junior high kid or something like that. Um, well, but, I'm, th I'm, th I'm thinking about somebody's, you know, maybe somebody's wife, uh, not really into football. They see their husband yeah. really enjoys football and say, you know, I'm going to learn a little bit more about this game. And, you know, so I buy the book on the side and read it up. And so they can have a conversation with their loved one, to, you know, over dinner or whatever. Just, uh, I think well, so, that could really happen with this book. Yeah. And, I, I, but the, the other is that thing where it's, yeah, it's just sitting there, you know, next to your favorite chair or whatever and it's like oh yeah i never thought of it. what about what about this word you know and boom so you you know you hear somebody talk about it like monday morning quarterback okay well that's in there right i mean so it's a pretty wide range of terms and it's not it's not real deep you know it's a lot of them are words that started off as coach speak technical terms but they're all things that you hear every day you know i mean there's a few that are a little bit more obscure but you know, 95% or more are words you hear every weekend, you know? So, uh, so 
yeah, so hopefully, uh, hopefully people get a get a kick out of it. And I mean, I learned a lot, you know, doing it. So, um, you know, and I know more about football history than the average beer, but you know, um, I learned a lot. <laughs> it was it was fun. Yeah, I I did too. I mean, I I took a lot out of that book, and uh, you know, it's probably worth a good uh, couple rereads here over uh, the next year or so because it's really really that good. I guess the important question is now: people, we've been telling them about this book here for for a little bit. Uh, maybe uh, tell them again what the title is and where they can pick up a copy at. Yeah, so the title is Hut Hut Hike with the subtitle of. A history of football terminology. The book is available on Amazon. Type in "hut hut hike" with exclamation points. I hadn't thought about that. Make it a little, a little harder to find, but but you can also put you know Timothy P. Brown, and you know so I've got a couple other books out there. So you know, um, or football history, it'll probably you know pop up that way. But "hut hut hike" with exclamation points after each of the words. Uh, it's going to be a, or it's available in print form and as paperback and then uh, e-reader and if you happen to be somebody who uses amazon unlimited uh the book's available for free that way so so it's going to be out there and then i'll you know i'll also be putting uh you know announced it on on my website and on uh, twitter etc so um you know hopefully you know and i'll have you know there's links in those things so if you find those links then that's another way to to access it Okay, and we'll put a link in the show notes of this podcast, listeners, so you can go that route too. Or Pigs Can Dispatch or footballarchaeology.com, uh, all great uh, ways to get there too. So uh, many options to get to the same place. The, the route through the neighborhood that you're talking about, you can get to home <laughs> a different way. So, so t- Tim, do you have any, uh, any last words uh, before we let you go on this? If you're somebody who enjoys kind of, understanding kind of how things develop and kind of how certain words in particular come about, um, you know, then I think you'd really enjoy the book, but you know, it's also just, I think there's a lot of just pure football history that comes along uh, in the book. And so um, if you haven't read a kind of an easy to read book on football history, then I think this is probably a good one. I think you're absolutely right. Well, Timothy P Brown, author, historian, uh, you know, just about everything with football history in uh, a new book, Hut Hut Hike. Uh, make sure you get a copy on Amazon and uh, some of those other avenues. We told you how to, to get to Amazon to get it. And, uh, you know, make sure you get a copy and make, make a great Christmas gift uh, for loved ones uh, like football or somebody wants to learn about football. And uh, so get a couple copies and uh, wrap them up Christmas time. <laughs> so, uh, Tim Brown, uh, thanks a lot for joining us and uh, letting us uh, talk about this book you have coming up. Hey, very good, Darren. I appreciate it once again, and uh, and it's getting closer, so you have a wonderful Christmas as we approach. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. 
Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast as well as Jersey Dispatch on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.